Chapter Three, Part Two of More Tish. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. More Tish by Mary Roberts Reinhardt. Chapter Three, Part Two. I find all of Tish's notes taken that day as very indicative of the thoroughness with which she does everything For instance, she made the following recommendations to be sent to the war department That the camp cooks be instructed to use hemmed tea towels instead of sacking and to boil the dish towels after each meal preferably with soap powder and soda that screens be provided between cots to give that measure of privacy necessary to a man's self-respect Large commodious clothes closets in the barracks a bag of camphor in each one would serve to keep away moths Also that wearing apparel should not be borrowed All army blankets should be marked as to the end to go to the top of the cot Sheets should also be provided as blankets scratch and have a tendency to keep the soldier awake Soda fountains here and there through the camp would do a great deal to prevent the men in training from going to neighboring towns after certain deleterious liquids Should however be served by male attendants Pajamas should be included in every soldier's equipment Charlie Sands had told us a startling thing on inquiring what had become of the raw silk pajamas We had made him as a part of his army equipment. He confessed that he did not use them and in fact had torn them into rags to clean his gun He even went further and stated that it was not the custom of the men to use pajamas at all And that in fact on cold nights some of them merely removed their hats and shoes and then retired Table linen even if coarse should be provided Are our men to come back to us savages? It may have been purely coincidence but soon after Tish's recommendations had been received at the War Department, the Fosdick Commission was appointed. Yet we carried away a conviction that though certain things had been sadly neglected, Charlie Sands was in good hands. The Colonel came up to speak to us when, seeing the men standing in rows on the parade ground about sunset while the band played, we stood watching. He was very pleasant and said that they were about to bring in the flag. Some such conversation then ensued Tish do you bring in the flag every night the colonel every night madam Tish Then you are a better housekeeper than I thought you were the colonel. I beg your pardon Tish magnanimously you may not know much about dishcloths, but you are right about flags They do fade and I dare say dew is about as bad as rain for them he seemed much gratified by her approval and said in 25 years in the army He had never failed to have the flag brought in at night. I may fail in other things He said wistfully to err is human, you know, but the flag proposition is one I stand pat on It was after our return visit to the camp that the real change in Tish began We had gone to our cottage in Lake Penzance for the summer and Tish suggested that we study French there She had an excellent French book with photographs in it showing where to place the tongue and how to pucker the lips for certain sounds At first she did not allow us to do anything but practice these facial expressions 
and i remember finding hannah in the kitchen one night crying into her bread sponge and asking her what the trouble was i just can't bear it miss lizzie she said when i look in and see the three of you sitting there making faces i nearly go crazy i've got so i do it myself and the milkman won't leave the bottles no nearer than the gate after some days of silent practice tish considered that we could advance a lesson and we began with syllable sounds thus ba said with tip of tongue against the lower teeth be show two upper middle teeth be broad smile bu whistle bon pout it was an excellent method though we all found difficulty in showing only two upper middle teeth there were also syllables which called for hollow cheeks and i remember tish's irritation at my failure if you would eat less whipped cream lizzie she said scathingly you might learn the french language otherwise you might as well give up i dare say there are plump people among the french i retorted and i never heard that a frenchwoman who put on twenty pounds or so went dumb that woman who trims your hats isn't dumb so you could notice it i'd thank my stars if she was she can say forty dollars fast enough and she doesn't suck in her cheeks either in the end aggie and i gave up the french lessons but tish kept them up she learned ten nouns a day and she made an attempt at verbs but gave it up i can secure anything i want if i ever visit our valiant ally she said by naming it in the french and then making the appropriate gesture she made an experiment on hannah and it worked well enough she would say butter or spoon and point to her place at the table but hannah almost left on the strength of it and when she tried it on mr jennings the fishman he told all over penzance that she had lost either her mind or her teeth aggie and i were extremely uneasy all of july for tish does nothing without a motive and she was learning in french such warlike phrases as take the trenches the enemy is retiring and we must attack from the rear she also took to testing out the engine of her automobile in various ways and twice trying to cross a ploughed field with it had to be drawn out with a rope she took to driving at night without lights also and had the ill luck to run into the penzance doctor's buggy and take a wheel off it it was after that incident when we had taken the doctor home and put him to bed that i demanded an explanation but she only said with a far-away look in her eyes it must be a useful accomplishment sometime if one were going after wounded at night it would be invaluable not if you killed all the doctors on the way i snapped the limit to our patience came soon after that one morning about the first of august the boatman from the lake came up the path with a spade over his shoulder tish we perceived tried to take him aside but he gave her no time well i've done it miss tish he said and god only knows what'll happen if someone runs into it between now and tomorrow morning nobody will know you did it unless you continue to shout the way you are doing it now oh i'll not tell he observed i'm not so proud of it but twouldn't surprise me a mite if we both did some time together in the county jail on the head of it miss tish well aggie went pale 
but tish merely gave him five dollars and spent the rest of the day shutting the garage with her car i went back and looked into the window during the afternoon and she was on her back under it hammering at something that night at dinner she made an announcement i have for some time she said been considering go out hannah and close the door been considering the values of different engines for an ambulance which i propose to take to france tish aggie cried in a heart-rending tone and i have come to the conclusion that my own car has the best engine on the market tonight i propose to make a final test and if it succeeds i shall have an ambulance body built on it i know this engine i may almost say i have an affection for it and it has served me well why i ask you should i abandon it and take some new-fangled thing that would as like as not lie down and die the minute it heard the first shell exactly i said with some feeling why should you when you can count on me doing it anyhow she ignored that however and said she had fully determined to go abroad and get as near the front as possible she said also that she had already written general pershing and that she expected to start the moment his reply came i told him she observed that i would prefer not being assigned to any particular part of the line as it was my intention though not sacrificing the national good to it to remain as near my nephew as possible pershing is a father and i felt that he would understand she then prepared to take her car out and with a feeling of desperation aggie and i followed her for some time we pursued the even tenor of our way varied only by tish's observing over her shoulder no matter what happens do not be alarmed and don't yell aggie was forgetting out then but we have always stood by tish in an emergency and we could not fail her then she had turned into a dark lane and we were moving rapidly along it when i say ready brace yourselves for a jar tish admonished us aggie was trembling and she had just put a small flash of blackberry cordial to her lips to steady herself when the machine went over the edge of a precipice throwing aggie into the road and myself forward into the front of the car there was complete silence for a moment then aggie said in a reproachful voice you didn't say ready tish tish however said nothing and in the starlight i perceived her bent forward over the steering wheel the car was standing on its forward end at the time tish i cried tish she then straightened herself and put both hands over the pit of her stomach i've burst something lizzie she said in a strangled voice my gallbladder probably she then leaned back and closed her eyes we were greatly alarmed as it is unlike our brave tish to give in until the very last but finally she sat erect groaning i am going back and kill that boatman she said i told him to dig a shell hole not a cellar here she stood up and felt her pulse if i've burst anything she announced a moment later it's a corset steel that boatman is a fool but at least he has given us a chance to see if we are the material which france requires at this tragic juncture i can tell you right away that i am not aggie said tartly i am not and i don't want to be though i can't see how biting my tongue half through is going to help france anyhow but tish was not listening 
she had lifted three shovels out of the car and we could see her dauntless figure outlined against the darkness the germans she said at last are over there behind that chicken house the machine is stalled in a shell hole and contains a wounded soldier we are being shelled and there are those what you call em lights overhead we must escape or be killed there is only one thing to do lizzie what is your idea of the next step anybody but a lunatic would know that i said tartly the thing to do is to go home and make an affidavit that we never saw that car and that the hole in this road is where it was struck by lightning aggie said tish without paying any attention to me here is a shovel for you but aggie sniffed not at all tish carberry she observed i am the wounded soldier and i don't stir a foot in the end however we all went to work to dig the car out of the hole and at three o'clock in the morning tish climbed in and started the engine it climbed out slowly but as tish observed it gave an excellent account of itself and i must say she said i believe we have all shown that we can meet an emergency in the proper spirit as for the hole that driveling idiot who dug it can fill it up tomorrow morning and no one will be the wiser i have made this explanation because of the ugly reports spread by the boatman himself it is necessary because it appears that he became intoxicated on the money tish had so generously given him and the milk wagon which supplied us going into the hole an hour or so after we had left he shamelessly told his own part and ours in the catastrophe the result was that waking the next morning with a severe attack of lumbago i heard our splendid tish being attacked verbally by the milkman and forced to pay an outrageous sum in damages by september tish had had the old body removed from her automobile and an ambulance body built on she made the drawings for it herself and it contained many improvements over the standard makes it contained for instance a cigarette lighter not that tish smokes but because wounded men always do and we knew that matches were scarce in france it also contained an ice-water tank a reading lamp and a small portable library of improving books selected by our clergyman mr ostermeyer and a false bottom this last tish was rather mysterious about merely remarking that it might be a good place for aggie to retire to if she took a sneezing spell within earshot of the enemy when i look back and recall how foresighted letitia carberry was i am filled with admiration for those sterling qualities which have so many times brought us safely out of terrible danger we were however doomed at first to real disappointment with everything arranged with the ambulance ready and our costumes made we could not get to france tish made a special trip to washington to see the secretary of war and he remembered very well her recommendations as to the camps and so forth and said that he had referred the matter of pyjamas for instance to the chief of staff he himself felt that the point was well taken he believed in pyjamas and wore them but that he had an impression though he did not care to go on record about it that the chief of staff advocated nightshirts he also said that he had a letter from general pershing asking that no relatives of soldiers go to france as he was afraid that the gentle and restraining influence of their loved ones would impair their taste for war aggie and i began to have a little hope at that time and aggie tore up a will she had made leaving her property to the red cross on condition that it kept up mr wiggins's lot in the cemetery 
but just as we were feeling more cheerful aggie had a warning she had been reading everywhere of the revival in spiritualism and once before when she was in doubt she had been most successful with a woman who told the future with the plastic letters that are used in soup she went to a clairvoyant and he told her to be very careful of high places and that the warning came from someone who had passed over from a high place he thought it was an aviator but we knew better and aggie looked at me with agonized eyes aggie has said since that when she was in her terrible position at v she remembered that warning but of course it was too late then it was when we had gone back to the city that we realized that tish was still determined to get to france only two days after our return she came in with a book called military codes and signals and gave it to aggie she had it marked at a place which told how to signal at night with an electric flashlight and from that time on for several weeks she would sit in her window at night with aggie on the pavement across the street also with a pocket flash both of them signalling anything that came into their heads it was rather hard on aggie on cold evenings and i remember very well that one night she came in and threw her flashlight on the floor and then burst into tears i'm through tish she said and that's all there is to it i've stood being frozen until my feet are so cold i can't tell one from the other but i draw the line at being insulted insulted tish said if you are going to mind trifles when your country's safety is in question you'd better stay home who insulted you well it seems that by way of conversation aggie had flashed that the wretch with the cornet who rooms above tish's apartment was at the window watching and she wished he'd fall out and break his neck he had then put out his own light and had appeared in the window again and had flashed in the same code come birdie fly with me end of chapter three part two